Welcome to the future of work and this episode all about work management integration produced by Wonder for their blog Chaos and Rocket Fuel. I'm Doug Folks, and today something a little different. Sometimes you've got to roll with the punches and that's exactly what Wonder CEO Claire Haydor did when she had the opportunity recently to literally grab a few minutes with busy Reich CEO and Silicon Valley rising star Andrew Filev. Andrew started Reich back in 2003. It's a leading work management platform that helped establish the now very popular work management category. More relevant and important now in our COVID reality, this is their conversation. And apologies for the varying sound quality. Andrew, the very first question I wanted to ask you was, you set up um, Reich as an organization a number of years ago. I don't think anybody who was setting up a company in this space all those years ago envisioned a place where literally in the space of seven days, the whole world would be working remote. Can you maybe share with me why your tool, Rike, within the greater competitive space that it functions in is critical to now and why you feel that it actually addresses one of the most critical needs that is not really obvious right now. Well, let me start with a personal story and then talk, talk about sort of bigger picture behind it. So before I started Rike, I was running my own professional services company, which had offices in multiple countries. So we were while we were in the office, we were working virtually all the time because people would uh, be uh, collaborating across uh, cities, across countries, even across ocean all the time. While we came to the physical office, we mostly lived in, in the digital uh, workplace, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that coupled with the fact that we were growing very fast as a startup, you, you have to be very agile right, and, and respond quickly. We created collaborative work management software, which brings together two things. One, collaboration, and it's uh, not a surprise that in this environment we're all required to collaborate day in and day out online. And brings that with what's called work management, basically visibility to what's actually going on. Because if, if you and I are messaging each other all day long, and we're doing that across 100 people in our company, or 1,000 people in our company, or 100,000 people in our company, that gives very little actual visibility, right? If you're trying to run yeah. uh, workflows across 15 teams, or if you're trying to run program with 50 different projects, even generally in calm times, you, you will not be able, you, you gotta be a detective to try to guess where things are based on those little pieces that you get in like this email or this random file. And oh, by the way, there's also five other versions of that file and which one of that versions is the correct version and so on and so forth. So. Work management is supposed to solve that and give you full transparency, visibility, uh, confidence in your ability to to get things done as an individual, as a manager, and as an executive on all those levels. And and our kind of know-how was in two areas. Know-how, number one, we thought that one cannot live with the other in this new Mm -hmm. digital world. Like like collaboration and work management got to stay together. You cannot uh, collaborate in one tool, and then try to plan your work in completely disconnected tool and copy paste like a robot between the two. It might work if your project takes five five years. It does not work when you need to iterate like weekly or monthly. Um, so one know-how was bringing those two together. And the other know-how was realizing that in this digital world, things move very fast. So people start thinking about this huge monolithic projects, they break it down in a lot of moving pieces. And so it's important to not just look at it as like one project, 
but look at it as ability to manage across multiple teams, multiple projects, sometimes workflow, connect a lot of those different teams. So the power of technology is bringing us all together, which creates opportunities, but also creates a lot of chaos. And so mm. building a software that can that is versatile enough to support all those teams and to support the whole organization and workflows and projects that, that span those multiple teams. Talk to me specifically about the future team. So COVID has pushed us into a reality. Let's fast forward this, you know, 12, 15 months from now. What does the healthy organization look like? In terms of their dramatic changes that are we're seeing right now, and if they are to stay or not, I personally believe that this event will fundamentally shift the culture in, in the organizations. I do talk to CEOs where a lot of SMBs, the ones that will build pivot or pivot into new opportunities or the ones that will rebound, are thinking right now about reducing their investment in physical spaces, right? And, and increasing their investment in uh, online uh, workspaces and kind of, you know, life, life throws your lemon, try to make it into lemonade. You, you do have to adapt your processes today or actually yesterday, right? Not tomorrow, not a year from now. Like right now, you need to be ready and functioning in this new environment. And so if you already figure out that playbook and, and some of the companies and some of the teams that, that I know actually, the, the ones that done it right, report better productivity right now. And so why would you go completely back to the old ways? I'm sure that uh, almost every CEO, CIO, CHRO, will think about once we get that opportunity to get back to our offices, how can we get the best of both worlds, right? Like now that we've proven to ourselves and to our bosses and to our employees and to our partners, to our customers, that a lot of these things can be done a little bit differently. Is there an opportunity for, for balance where some key things we would still do in person uh, and, and so on, but, but at the same time, we'll get a little bit uh, of that balance, uh, kind of well-earned balance back back in our lives. What do you see as the benefits of having that, that blended approach? So using online applications to create that transparency and visibility, but still having the in-person connections. Even be- before kind of full switch to, to remote, right, we, we benefited from both. Uh, we, we did, uh, we're obviously heavily relying on like on like and everything that we do. So that gives us visibility, transparency. Say, for example, you run a reforecast process with a cross-functional team. You get clear visibility of the backlog, who's supposed to do what, when they're going to be due, and then you collaborate on all those things they evolve. So there was pre-COVID and now in the COVID environment, they were obviously kind of all in there. That didn't change their human component. Right now, we're all using Zoom um, and other video conferencing as a substitute. I still think we're, to a large degree, evolutionary pre-wired to value um, in-person interaction a little bit more. And there's also some subtle components that we don't think about, but like in Zoom, eye-to-eye contact is very different because where your eyes on my screen is not where the camera is and so on and so forth, right? So kind of at their high level looks like the same. It's not necessarily the same. And there's some some other things that are different in virtual versus physical. But uh, again, before we had the luxury of um, doing things the old way, 
now we've been forced to adopt to this new world and environment. There's many teams and many successful companies who've been always completely purely virtual. And I think right now this will dramatically open up the eyes for a lot of companies where you can, in a lot of individuals and managers, that you can actually be very productive in this pure online environment. Mm. So I think we'll cherish the in-person interactions even more. If you could give advice to executive teams specifically right now, I would say of companies 500 and greater, growing companies where there's multiple geographies involved, masses of people, what are the top three to five things that you feel that they should be really thinking about right now? One, as leaders, we have responsibility to think ahead about the situation and do forward-looking model and do contingency plan, right? For example, when it was clear that there were multiple cases of COVID virus registered in the United States, right? You don't have to have a PhD to understand that that means that sooner or later there will be a, um, there will be shelter in place, right? Because there's a two-week lab, it's important to trace. We don't have totalitarian surveillance and things like that. Yes. So it's impossible to trace. And if it's impossible to trace, it's impossible to control. And so sooner or later, it's going to spread until we kind of all shelter in place. So and with that knowledge, you could already start build forward-looking models and kind of uh, be a, a little bit a step ahead of the situation as opposed to a step behind of the situation. So, so I think for leaders, it's important to, to build those models as opposed to just hide our head in the sand. So second, once you have that thesis of like, hey, here's what's going to happen, I think it's important to activate your company, right, to kind of share that model with, with the employees and do it in a way that would activate their sense of urgency and creativity as opposed to panic, right? So how do we communicate clearly and lead and inspire the teams to prepare and do their best in these tough times? Third component is um, productivity. Uh, so as we're forced to work from home environment, most companies are not ready. How do we stay productive? For example, when we switch to a pure work from home environment, we've re-enabled the whole organization on quarterly OKRs to make sure that people uh, plan their work properly. Uh, we also re-enabled all the teams on Agile. I'll give you an example of our cross-functional COVID uh, replan teams. So kind of a combination of go-to-market and finance. So cross-functional team that needs to rapidly replan the rest of the year. And that's best done in Agile process. So we re-enabled all of our business teams on Scrum and Agile. Uh, so our marketing teams who need to respond very quickly, uh, all our operations teams, all organizations can move at that daily cadence with weekly sprints as opposed to kind of old way cadence of annual yeah. plan with quarterly sub, sub goals there, if you will. Um, so that agile re re implementation was key for us. Fourth component is engagement. We had a very rich culture and that was a big chunk of it was, was very personal, including yeah. events. And so for us, the thing that we needed to cancel that, that created an obvious void. As leaders, I wanted us to be proactive, not, not put it under the rug, but be open and say, hey, that's part of the culture. That's no longer there. Let's activate. Let's figure out how do we uh, step up to that challenge and 
come stronger out of it, right? And then we've been surprised by creativity of the team. And then their last piece, I borrowed the phrase from Nassim Taleb, they're anti-fragile, thinking about things in an anti-fragile way. Um, every business is going to get a curveball, uh, of different curveball, of different size, of different curvature, if you will, but a, a lot of businesses are, are going to struggle and some of them will kind of uh, collapse under that way and some of them will be resilient. So I admire, as an entrepreneur myself who, who went to the center and started it right after their yeah. dot-com burst and then with, with Rika went through global financial crisis. So as, an, as a person who lived through at least a couple of those, I always feel painful when the businesses suffer, but I also feel the joy when I see other people being creative and kind of finding the ways to counteract it, right? People and companies need to be anti-fragile. Um, and and I, I think we, we need to have those to all kind of observe and share the stories of those unsung heroes who do that yeah. and who are resilient. And as you know, in the past, there's been a lot of companies that are iconic brands today who were created in this very strange pivots. You know, mm-hmm. some of those brands were created in very tough times and there was like first business completely dried out and then they've done something else. And, you know, like companies like Lego or, you know, or 3M or there, there's like tons of companies. Yeah. Again, we, we use their products every day and you'd never know how they start. So I think yeah. that's the opportunity to for America to show its creative entrepreneurial spirit and, and fight that challenge uh, in, in sort of an American way. Andrew, thank you so much for taking this time. I really do appreciate it. Well done, Claire, and thanks for getting those valuable insights. There you have it, from the horse's mouth. There's much more industry insights in the pipeline. Can't wait to bring them to you. We'll catch you soon.